0: Hi everyone, Data Stories number 24, if I'm correct. Hi Moritz, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Enrico? Good, good. Everything is fine and more relaxed than usual. Summer is
1: coming. Well, Did you not recover the... from my visit in New York. Did you recover from your visit? <laughs> no, <I mean> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you had to deal with a few kids in my in my house, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: it was nice. Uh, it was nice. How was <laughs> IO? IO was fantastic again. It's it's yeah, it's just my favorite conference. It's always so mm-hmm. heartwarming and inspiring to be there. So I I had a blast. Yeah. Have heard the fantastic things about your workshop. Insects Insect Smarts. Insect smarts, that's right. Yeah. So we talked about or we worked on uh, swarm intelligence and collective intelligence things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was nice. I, I have a few ideas of how to improve it for the next time, but it was the first time, and and I'm um, I'm happy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Okay.
0: So no more no more trips in in the summer or what? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> but nothing nothing of big course, end uh, up right now.
0: Well, yeah. last week I was in Rio for a talk. Oh, fantastic. That, that was amazing. Amazing place.
1: They Love never invite me to Rio. Why, why
0: is well, there... you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic, really, really fantastic. I spent five five or six days there. It was amazing, amazing place. Now I want to go back there in winter.
1: <laughs> you said.
0: <laughs> well, okay, let's start. Um, so we have another special episode today. We're going to talk about the Vast Challenge, which is a very special challenge, and we will tell you why it is special. It is organized every year, at the VIS Conference, formerly known as VIS Week Conference. And uh, in order to discuss about that, we invited two special guests. We have Professor George Greenstein uh, from University of Massachusetts Lowell. Hi, George.
2: Hi, Enrico. And
0: we have Celeste Paul from National Security Agency. Hi, Celeste. How are you? Hello. I'm good. (laughs) So what we normally do, we let our guests introduce themselves. So maybe George, you wanna start and then Celeste.
2: Sure, I'm a professor of computer science at UMass Lowell and I head the Institute for Visualization and Perception Research. I got my PhD in mathematics from University of Rochester. Uh, Most of my work centers around visualization, whether it's perceptual and cognitive foundations, high dimensional data, Uh, theory, and applications. Uh, For the last eight years, I've co-chaired the IEEE VAST Challenges and Contest in Visual Analytics. Uh, I've taught radical design, of course, on uh, how to develop radical new products instead of evolutionary one. Um, I'm a member of the Homeland Security Center Cicada, and I direct the development of Weave, which is an open-source, web-based, interactive, collaborative visual analytics system, uh, which incorporates lots of modern research.
0: I guess you could go on for another 30 minutes, George. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I'm so happy to have an academic again on the show. It's been a while, Moritz.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's no, and that true. sounds really exciting of what you're working on. I, I need to check that out. Yeah. yeah. And Celeste?
3: Hi, my name is Celeste Lynn Paul, and I'm a computer scientist at the National Security Agency in the Research Directorate. And I do research on visual analytics with a focus in human-centered computing and cybersecurity. Um, we are a funder for the Vast Challenge. Um, I'm also about Four weeks away from defending my dissertation at the University wow. of Maryland, no, Baltimore wow. County. So awesome! <laughs>
0: awesome! Sounds great. <laughs> and I guess it's a it's a thesis on uh, on visual analytics. I guess right. Uh,
3: actually, no. It's more no. focused on human centered <laughs> computing. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's actually on interruption uh, management and with uh, visual interruptions. So it is okay. visualization well, in a it's sense, related. just not analytics.
0: Okay, but it's very much related. Yes. Fantastic. So we have a whole display of academics today. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we want to talk about the vast challenge because the vast challenge is so there are many contests and challenges around. And uh, I am myself always been championing for the vast challenge because to me it looks like kind of like a little different than than the usual stuff we see around, and um, I think the main difference is is that it's mainly organized by academics, and as far as I know, it's the only only contest or challenge in this area that has been organized by academics. And there are also some other details that make it really interesting to me, especially the fact that um, the the organizer spends quite a lot of time thinking about how to make the vast challenges, how to evaluate the entries that are uh, submitted to the vast challenge, which is not easy at all. so I would like actually like to start with George. George, can you give us a little bit of a perspective on how the Vast Challenge was born and how it developed in time, why you organized it in the first place? So a, a little bit of an hispo- historical perspective.
2: Sure. Um, it actually started in 2006. And prior to that, there had been other challenges. I ran uh, network Intrusion one about a decade before. Uh, in The InfoViz community had a challenge at that time that I was co-chairing with Catherine Plaison and Jean-Daniel Fekete. And the KDD Cup, uh, the Knowledge Discovery and Data Mining Cup, was also running at the time. But um, there were no... Um, uh, there was no theme in, its evo- in the evolution of these in general except to build a, t- a challenge test. And um, there were a lot of issues about the fact that we needed a broader um, analytical perspective on these problems. We wanted to somehow be able to measure uh, eventually Uh, the capabilities of visual systems, as well as analysis, as well as insight into the problems. So um, Jim Thomas was the original founder and program manager at NVAC, and he gave basically instructions to the team. The data has to be heterogeneous. Um, Ideally, the problem and data Uh, should be difficult for a team to solve without tools so that somebody couldn't read the data and sort of say, ah, I come up with a solution. And it really ought to involve the human in the loop, human analysis aided by tools. Mm -hmm. So that sort of says that, aha, we have to start having visual analytics and how could you make an evaluation without ground truth? So the goal is to embed ground truth in these synthetic or quasi-real data sets, and that's how how it started. And we evolved a great deal. PNNL were the initial developers of the first data sets, then UMass Lowell got involved, and for these last um, couple years, PNNL um, became again with uh, the various funders, NSA and others, Enrichers of the ground truth within larger and more complex data sets. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to mention. It looks to me that the, the the special thing about the vast challenge is is searching for having this ground truth, right? I mean, the, I, I don't know what's what's the situation, how how it, how you evaluate the entries right now, but I think I remember from the very beginning that this was the the main goal of the challenge was having a way to evaluate the entries in a in in a in relationship to how much of the ground truth is covered by the
2: entry right is that correct that's part of it the other part was to select problems That are difficult and that we would like the community to be aware of. So, we were one of the first data sets. We generated one of the first data sets with text as part of our first challenge, Mm -hmm. where people had to analyze news reports, voter registration, phone call logs. Uh, And at the time, I remember that. Many people didn't even know how to tokenize data, so we actually generated a tokenized database for people who didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, if we, when we have text data, there's no such need for us to generate intermediary data sets because everyone has those capabilities. So you can see the evo- rapid evolution of technology, and I think in some fashion the vast challenge has contributed to making people aware of that
0: sure 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 another thing i was wondering did you take inspiration from some other kind of like computer science based challenges like the kdd cup or similar kind of challenges because so what, what i was always frustrated by the fact that for for other disciplines in computer science it looks to me that it's somewhat easier to define what's what's the metric there and also to 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 calculate the metric itself right so if you have some sort of analytical algorithm that has to have some some kind of predictive power then you can very well you can you can establish a couple of measures and and compare the entries in a very systematic way, right? But in, right. Visual, in visualization or visual analytics is much, much harder because the output is is stuff that is coming out of the brain of people, right? And everything gets much more complicated. So I was wondering, did you did you was the initial motivation of the VAST challenge doing organizing the VAST challenge in this format? Did you did you get inspiration from this kind of other challenges like the KDD Cup or similar?
2: Yes, uh, there was Trek, the, the uh, text information retrieval one, and so on. There were many. The difference is that these were specific problems that could be solved either al- algorithmically or visually. I think what we did is we uh, made a, a drastic move to identify a scenario, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that is very different. So we spent months ahead of time. Uh, identifying what the scenario is and building a data set that matches or data sets that matches that scenario so that the problem looks real. Uh, there are, if you look at every single challenge that's been out there, there's a story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a very different aspect. So we initially identify what is the target research problem that we want to focus on, and sometimes we offer one or two or four, and then we combine a scenario that connects them so that you can solve a particular problem but that, or combine it with different aspects, one of which might have video, another one text, and another one um, logs from network intrusions, for example.
0: Okay, okay. It's
1: very so interesting. I, it's almost like writing a movie script or something like coming up with a, like a whole situation and then that's generate the data. That's what We
3: really do sit there. around a table and talk about the story before we think about <laughs> the data at all.
1: Yeah. Do you have rooms like covered with the stickies and <laughs> li- <laughs> lines between them, like the mad scientists?
2: <laughs> we did here, yes, and I think and I think PNNL also does at times. Uh, I, yes. I can
1: imagine. Yeah. <laughs> can you estimate how much time goes into constructing these? These data sets, I I could imagine, must be like hundreds of hours, right? Oh, I would suspect
2: even much, much more than that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs)
3: So, for example, with um, this year's uh, mini challenge three, it is two weeks worth of data. And so we generated that data in real time. So Mm -hmm. the final data set took at least two weeks to generate. But then we also did several test runs, and sometimes the test runs were only a couple hours or a couple days, but then we were getting into, you know, we need to generate the entire week, two weeks, because we were running into problems where a couple hours or a couple days of data generation, that's fine, that's normal. Two weeks worth of data generation for the uh, detailed data that we were trying to create, we ran into a lot of problems. And so... There were many, many, many iterations of us testing our tools, um, testing data sets, doing test runs, in addition to all of the data structure planning that we had, setting up the simulations and that sort of thing. Uh, Generating the data has definitely been an interesting challenge. We choose these challenges because we want to test the research community and give them something that is meaningful and is a little bit further out than what we're comfortable with. But in order to generate data sets that we can actually generate reasonably and have some set of uh, ground truth in, we need tools to be able to verify our data but those tools don't exist yet. And so it, it's a lot of iteration. It's a lot of manual analysis to check to make sure that the data is what we think is, and then we can give it to people.
2: And let me add that uh, in some cases, like the uh, one of the virus mut- mutations that occurred in the past in one of the challenges, we generate um, the data set. And then we test it out, just like Celeste pointed out, we find flaws, so we have to regenerate. And then if the mini challenges are integrated into a larger story, you often have to change it. Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden it doesn't connect with the previous one or the one that's uh, talking about text and all of a sudden we have to do modifications and regeneration. So it's an ongoing process all the time.
3: Yeah, these are very complex data sets. We're not just generating one type of log with one type of events. We're trying to coordinate sometimes four or five different data sets so that they match up together. In addition Mm -hmm. to you know, regular noise and reality so that these aren't purely computer generated data sets. Because if you have a too artificial of a data set, it's not really a challenge anymore. But we can't, we need to, it's, it's a Oh, it's been such a challenge, especially with this last challenge. The last year, people just asked where we want complexity. Setting up the thing. Well,
0: yeah. It's mean, challenge.
2: We we have an extremely humorous story to tell about the tweeter data that we had last year. Uh We were generating flu data. And uh, was it last year or the year before? It was
3: 2011.
2: Yeah, so it was two years ago. And we we took tweet data to try to analyze flu, you know, pick ones that had flu in it and so on. And my God, they had to be sanitized. And so we wrote (laughs) programs to clean the data up. And even after we had run all those programs, I had to divide my whole lab and give everyone 1,000 of them to go by hand <laughs> yeah. because the the, uh, the programs that we had written just didn't at all clean them completely. Wow. And another time we used text from old newspapers and we had to go through and change dates and names. And we all, of course, made errors. Uh, One of the first data sets we generated, uh, we had voter registrations and without realizing it, we had forgotten that we had one individual register newly every day. And so the dates for registrations were consecutive.
0: (laughs) It's amazing.
2: I mean, it's just you can't cover every single thing. It's very, very interesting. So uh,
0: I guess that the tools that are available around just cannot
2: support this kind of deep analysis, right? In general, they're, they're not quite there. If they were, then we'd be able to generate data also by reversing those tools, reverse engineering them. Uh, in general, it's much, much harder. Think about video recognition, automatic video recognition. The tools are there in terms of video, min- well, were in the past there in terms of minimal but any complex problem required people to still have the human in the loop to be able to solve problems. Sure, and I think sure. we still believe that complex problems require humans. Sure, 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 sure. So can you, can you clarify
0: to us what, what do you mean exactly when you say generate the data? So are you starting from, from some real data sets and manipulating them or it's all synthetic data? Both. Both.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a hybrid approach, so I, I can give an example of yeah, the I think an cybersecurity example would be, data that, we've, um, yeah. that we're using this year and for the past few years. So it's, it's all synthetic data in the sense that it's not coming from the real world. We generate every bit. However, we do set up um, virtual networks to generate the data, so there are actual machines virtually, like a, a cloud cluster, Um, going out and running services and doing things. So for example, if we have a virus propagating through a network, the virus is actually moving through the virtual network and infecting machines and generating certain types of data. And then we have sensors on the network that are typical commercial tools that are picking up the packets and picking up the logs. And that's what we provide to participants. Um, We don't manually insert data. We, We don't generically create records and then, you know, and put them in the data. This is all part of a live network. Um, It's just that we create the conditions for the network.
0: Okay, so you basically simulate it, right? Yes, yes. And is that true for every other mini challenge or? No. 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 Okay, okay. Do I remember correctly, George, that you also had... Uh, One challenge included some video analysis, as you mentioned before. Yes, Did you have to go around with a camera and record yourself or (laughs) stuff like that?
2: (laughs) That one was actually quite interesting. That was a camera outside a, a building that was called an embassy, rotating regularly and just collecting hours and hours of data. And we actually had two individuals in there um walk and ex- uh, meet and exchange briefcases and that was the anomalous event that we wanted uh, people to uh, identify automatically
0: uh huh uh-huh. okay oh, well. okay
2: so there was the in this particular case an injection of uh real data the two people walking exchange within uh non-synthetic because it was real video that was being done Uh so that's what i meant by in some cases there's purely real data where you embed something all the way to purely synthetic where you simulate and model and something a situation occurring
0: okay okay
2: which by the way if you think about it makes the evaluation process much much more complex because you could find something that we did not intend to be discovered that might be naturally in the data. Yes, this is
3: especially true in the uh, network simulation data because they're actual virtual computers on the network. We could have induced an event that we didn't intend, and if people find it, that's valid, and they get credit for that in our scoring.
0: Sure, 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 sure. So... All of a sudden, it came into my mind that the same thing could actually be done by, well, probably it's very hard, but it could be done by everyone, right? I mean, if if I think of trying to do the same thing as you did, once I know the rules, I could generate my own data set and post it online and create my own challenge,
2: right? That's correct, and make sure you have a whole year plan for your time.
3: <laughs> if if it friends- were simple, we'd have lots of high-quality data sets to do research with.
2: Yeah, that- I mean, I can tell you that it, we took one mini-challenge in 2011, uh-huh. and we had a lot of tools because we had been working with PNNL for a long time, and we built our own tools. Uh-huh. And it took easily five to six months of three students of mine to yeah, yeah, work yeah. in great detail making sure the data set is correct and sure, so on. Sure, 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 it's sure. just a really large effort if you want quality sure, sure, and the sure. data sets we generate we expect that they will be used for many 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 years by classes and other researchers and companies to do some Good, interesting evaluations
3: yes I mean that brings up a great I mean contribution of the challenge outside the you know the single year cycle where we provide a interesting uh, relevant problem to the research community these are very high quality data sets that uh, many of them have already shown up in publications not related to the challenge
1: okay well that sounds mm-hmm. so it's really amazing. like benchmark data sets where you know what you can pull out of them and,
2: and you can really compare well what different tools deliver right
1: That's <laughs> correct and in
2: fact that's what we call them the benchmark the vast benchmark data sets Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay so
0: are all the data sets available somewhere online Yes Okay
1: uh, And you could go back to download the past data sets and also see the solutions Yes
2: Yes. Yeah. and the people's papers yeah. and mm-hmm. videos everything's available mm-hmm. So
0: is there a specific link we can mention so people can go there and see how it looks uh, like?
2: Yes. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. it, but it, the site uh, recently the changed, that's why I don't barrel. remember.
0: Okay, I, I will add it on the, on the blog post if you yeah, can send I, I me a link later. I
1: think nobody will type in the URL. The,
3: the current <laughs> challenges are on the, visual, the VA community website uh-huh.
2: and the older
3: challenges are hosted by... Um,
2: University of Maryland, the Human-Computer Interaction yes. Lab, okay, yes. Cool. And if you search for visual analytics benchmarks or VAST benchmarks, they all lead you to uh, where they are.
3: Yeah, we can so- get
0: you the link. Sure. Okay, so, so you can get the data sets and also the, the, the
3: solutions, if you want? Yes, the challenge yes. problems and the solutions.
2: And everyone's entries, including their uh, briefs, their two-pager or more, and their videos.
0: Okay, so other than actively participating to the vast challenge, people can just go there and have fun with these data sets, right? Yes. Fantastic.
1: Could be nice for teaching as well, you know, if you have a course, yeah. You, you I know, and just present five different solutions to the same data set. And yes. we and often and Enri- get, and Enric-
3: um class submissions. So last year, um, oh, it's uh, I forget the professor's name, but he Enrico. had several Enrico students was involved. Yes. Um, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think there are several professors who are using the the bus challenge datasets. I I use them many. myself.
2: Yes. Yeah, the,
0: the Universidade
3: de Federal in Brazil, I think we had uh, three or four sub- student team submissions from them as well. Okay.
0: And um, do you also have the 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 entries that people sent in the in the vast challenge of the last year editions in the on the
2: website so can people access them as well? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. In, in other words, anyone who submitted something, the answer no, is I mean, yes.
0: Do you have, for, for the past editions, do you also have the solutions? So, not not the solutions, the the entries online? I mean, the solutions that people sent? Yes. Okay. So people can go there and also see what the others have done.
2: That's yes. right. There were some days, sometimes where we had 60 or 80 entries and you oh, could wow. actually go there and see them all. Okay, cool. Fantastic.
0: So why don't we talk about the VAST Challenge 2013? I mean, I think most people would be interested in uh, hearing what they can do there, how to participate, why to participate, or stuff like that. Can you give us a brief introduction to the, to the VAST Challenge 2013 and what kind of mini-challenges you have there this year? Celeste? Sure. So uh,
3: this year we have three challenges. One. Um, one is more predictive analytic, visual analytics, and the other two are cybersecurity related. Um, George, do you want to talk about the um, predictive analytics challenge?
2: Sure. Um, the, the concept is very simple. Um, you have um, movies that are uh, coming out every week. And the, the idea is simply, can you predict which one's going to make the most money? Or can you predict how much they're going to make? What can you predict about them? And this is actually an interesting problem because we're running it every two weeks so people can continually participate. So guess the box office gross of all the new movies. And the data comes from Twitter, Bitly, and the IMDB, the movie database. So this is not
0: synthetic data.
2: That's real this data. That's right.
0: Oh, cool. So that, that's new. Yes. You're, you never a, did that before. New, yes. We've never
2: done that before.
1: And and how does it work? So you collect data on these movies for two weeks and then the data set is out and then people can like quickly analyze it? Or how does it work?
2: <laughs> oh, so they're the, all... Go ahead, Celeste.
3: Oh, uh, so the challenge has been running for um, the past six months. And so in the first round, they provided some sample data or training data sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the data sets have been live challenges. And people have been using each round of the challenge to refine their analytics.
2: Okay. Okay. It cool. started in January. Mm-hmm. So they, wow. they
0: have to predict which movie will be more most successful among those that are coming out that week.
2: Actually, yes. they predict the dollars of all. Of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the that's dollars. right.
0: Okay. This this sounds interesting to me because it looks like the kind of stuff that you could approach completely you can use a comp- only algorithmic approach, right? Without any any visual or human interaction, right?
1: You could so Could you also I, use external data, like, I don't know, have like 10 uh, movie critics and factor in their reviews, stuff like that? Would that be allowed or is it? do you have to use the data provided?
3: I think that the data, you have to use the data provided. You can't use external sources. That's mostly to make it easier for us to judge.
2: Sure. Yeah. Right. And they've been close to 100 registrants, just to give you a sense of it. Okay. Wow and a lot of student teams. So,
0: are all the participants using a visual analytics approach or some of them are, are submitting purely algorithmic solutions?
3: It's a visual analytics challenge, um, and so in order to get full points, they have to show how they created um, or designed visualizations to support the analysis for predicting these things. Because you're right, this is also a very algorithmic, algorithmic problem, mm-hmm. and what we wanted to explore was how you could use visual analytics to supplement or even uh, provide uh, additional or better predictive analytics.
0: Okay, so are there people comparing the purely algorithmic approach to the algorithmic approach plus
2: visualization? I don't think so yet.
0: Yeah. I
2: don't think that's the, that was one of the requests. Okay. That would be interesting.
0: Okay, and... Uh...
3: So we have two other challenges. Um, one is new and one is a continuation of a theme. I'll, I'll start with the new one. Yeah. So visualization tends to focus a lot on the data and the analytics and then we use visualization in order to reveal what is in the data or what the analytics um, reveal in the, in, in the data. And so this is you know, a very traditional process whenever it comes to visualization But it also seems like we've been going down the same path for a long time. and There haven't been too many really innovative or different visualizations that have come out recently. And so we wanted to create a challenge that would inspire people to think differently about the problem from a design perspective and focus more on the human part of the visualization problem than the data and the processing part of of the visualization problem. We also wanted to engage uh, more designers and artists who have a lot of creative experience um, to participate in our community so that we can start matching the technically competent visualization engineers with the highly creative visual artists. And so with the design challenge, we provide a written scenario. It's a two page story that describes the life of a typical network operations manager And we tell them about some of the problems that she has. And we simply state, we need you to come up with a situation awareness visualization that will help her do her job. The network she works on is very large. It's very complex. And there are many things that happen on it. But we don't tell you how large the network is. We don't tell you anything about the complexity of the network or the events on it. We didn't want to create any type of constraints. We wanted people to go out and think of something crazy and bring it back uh, into the realm of visualization. So it's a very new type of challenge, especially for a very computer science oriented um, community. Um, But with some other activities that we've done, we've gotten some very interesting results.
0: More, it sounds like something you should participate to.
1: <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Although I really have trouble working without data. So, you know, usually I say, listen people, I, I need some data, otherwise <laughs> I'm, I'm in trouble here. But it, it, it sounds like a fascinating uh, task, definitely. And I mean, there's a clear description of how the situation is, what the... What the problem to solve is, and yeah.
3: Oh, imagine a movie script. Imagine Mm -hmm. you were a subject matter expert for a movie, and they said, "We need a cool-looking display that looks realistic." And this is what the actor is doing. This is what the actor is trying to find. Uh, Go and design it.
0: Yeah, no problem. I hear somebody bringing. Yeah, it's not my phone. Yeah, it can happen. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Go ahead.
3: Uh, I mean, imagine if it was a movie script and they asked to...
2: Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Keep going, go ahead. I I don't know how to shut it off here.
3: (laughs) Maybe the story isn't worth
1: it. No, it's just on George's track, so it's no problem. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
3: But imagine a movie script where... You know what the actor is doing, you know what the actor is going to get and you get to design anything that is convincing but also a little bit science fiction-y. What boundaries can you really, you know, pass if you didn't have the restrictions of today's data or today's analytics and you can think about... Well, or today's what,
1: hardware maybe, you know? So you yeah, can what, think about what can like we do in five or ten years? Exactly, right.
3: exactly. So this is the first year for that uh, with the way that the challenge is designed, we have uh, a good idea of how many people have viewed the page. But since there's no data to download, we have no idea how many people might actually participate. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, it'll be very interesting. Judging will be interesting too.
0: <laughs> so you're not providing any data sets with this one?
3: No data at all.
0: No data at all.
3: Okay. No data at all. It's a two page story about a data scenario and the person who is in it.
0: So that's the madness session of the vast challenge to, <laughs> to <laughs> <inside>. Yes. <laughs> okay. So you expect the, very creative, bold kind of solutions, right?
3: Yeah. So we, we've recruit we've um, passed on the challenge to some art schools and some other information visualization professors who were very interested in the uh, the type of challenge. So we're Looking forward to seeing the types of results we get for this year.
0: Okay, and how are you gonna evaluate this? I mean, it looks complicated. We we <laughs> yeah.
2: have some spe- we have some specifications on what they're gonna submit: a video, an image. Uh, we also suggested storyboards, and it's very similar um, in terms of having. Um, For the classic vast challenges, we have analysts and experts who participate heavily in evaluation along with the committee. In this case, we'll have designers also and InfraViz um, designers and others participate as well.
3: Yes, it's a subjective visualization, but, um, artistic critique is pretty common and we've provided some very good guidelines so that everything will be consistent. So, you know, novelty, transference of ideas from one domain to another, um, how, how much complexity did they try? The more complexity that they try, they get more points, even if it seems to, you know, might be too much. How large is the network that they tried, um how, how, how many objects are they, are they working with? Um, there are a lot of things I don't want to give away too much of the judging criteria <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on <yeah>. purpose. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah, we yeah. should strike that, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. but, um, uh, it's, it'll be interesting.
0: Okay. But, but you, you have a specific have a committee for, for this challenge, right?
3: Yeah. So we'll have subject matter experts okay. who have experience in cybersecurity and situation awareness And then we'll also have the technical experts, and in this case, it will be um, designers and artists who are um, volunteering to review. And this is very similar to other challenges that we have, where in the past, we would have the subject matter expert, um, say, you know, last year's challenge was cybersecurity related. But then we would also have uh, visualization experts as well rate every single
2: submission. All oh. right. And we do, um, we have told the participants that they can connect with cybersecurity individuals if they want to. Oh,
3: yes, sure, We sure. definitely encourage any type of domain or user research, not just in the, de- the uh, design challenge, but also with the technical um, data challenges.
0: Okay. And what about the, the third mini challenge?
3: Yes, so the third mini-challenge is the really big data challenge. Um, It's the third challenge in a series of cybersecurity situation awareness challenges. So if you remember in 2011, um, we had a small situation awareness challenge where it was 150 computers with uh, firewall logs, uh, packet captures, intrusion detection logs, Nessus scans, syslogs, lots of different things, but for a small set of computers. Mm -hmm. And this was really to introduce the community to volume and complexity of this type of data. Um, Last year, it was focused, uh, both challenges were focused on cybersecurity, and we looked at depth and breadth. So last year, we had a near million node Uh, network that we generated um, high-level network health data for. So that was definitely a volume challenge for a lot of people. But we also created an in-depth situation awareness and analysis challenge using 5,000 computers with firewall logs and intrusion detection system. And so that was moderate complexity, but it was still relatively easy for participants. This year's challenge in terms of size, is ninety-one million records. Oh
1: huh. wow!
3: <laughs> yes, and this is a combination of Big Brother uh, records, which is a. Um, it's similar to Health and Status, but it's an actual product. So these are very realistic logs, and it'll tell you whether or not um, a policy deviation has happened. Um, it has full net flow data which are all the records of one computer talking to another. Uh, And then we also have one week of intrusion prevention uh, system logs. So the entire challenge takes place over two weeks real time, Mm -hmm. and it is a lot of data. And it's not just volume this year. It is also very complex. There's a lot of stuff going on. So we're very interested to see how well people deal with the complexity, in addition to the volume, uh-huh. um, but also exactly what everyone finds, because we have some interesting things hidden in the data.
0: Okay, so that's the the, the most traditional one, right? So it's the structure yes. the structure of this one is the usual one where you you have lots of data, very clear analytical task, and you injected some some ground truth, right?
3: Yes, it's very large and very complex data uh-huh. and we know what we put in it, but there might be other things as well.
2: And I do want to point out that mini challenge 1 is also somewhat traditional because the ground truth is whatever happens that day. Sure, sure, sure. The
0: ground truth is is embedded in the design, right?
2: <laughs> I mean Well, in number 1, yes, yeah. it's whatever the the public decides to go see.
3: Yeah, sure. challenge number 1 is real data. Yeah. Challenge number two is no data
2: okay. and challenge
3: number three is high quality simulated data.
0: So you have the old spectrum this year. Yes. I, I guess it's the first time you have that, right?
2: Yeah, um, Such diverse yes.
3: challenges? Yes, that's yes, definitely true. I think
2: so. Okay. We've had diverse in terms of data and problems, uh, many challenges that were separate, but uh, this also brings it back in some way. Okay. Right and in fact this is very similar you can only work on mini challenge 1 if you want to and not deal with the others Sure 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 and sure. and so on Okay and the mini challenges
0: of course are no longer connected as they were last year or previous years right I think previous years most of the mini challenges were connected right so you That's could actually correct. participate to the grand challenge and connect all the three pieces together is that
1: correct That's
0: right Yes
3: But as our data sets became more and more complex, we were having, it it was a big enough challenge to create a coherent story in one mini challenge because really we have three types of data in the mini challenge. So in a way that's its own little grand challenge if you analyze each type of data separately. And that's sure. true for the sure. other data sets as well.
2: Sure. Sure. And I think that one thing to realize is that the vast challenges are continually evolving sure. um, as we try to solve more and more complex problems and actually get some fantastic results from people. Um, uh, as Celeste was describing it, I, it remind, on, especially on Mini Challenge 2, um, one of the challenges we had was to analyze... In the past, gene mutations to identify the most virulent mutation to be able to quarantine it, and one of the uh, solutions that came in, uh, most of the solutions use typical uh, text uh, uh, gene blast differencing, you know, to try to identify where the mutations occurred from the bioinformatic side, but one group used plagiarism tools. Uh-huh. And that was brilliant. Sure. Very creative. <laughs> sure, and so those are the kinds of things where communities go out, no particular area, solve a problem in a way that's tremendously creative. And by having these challenges available to everyone, that's what we're hoping, that communities talk to each other.
3: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. And... um Another thing I wanted to ask you, how do you... So, for instance, for the mini-challenge tree that is the most uh, traditional one, how do you evaluate the, the entries? Is this just counting the how much of the ground truth is covered or you have several different kind of criteria?
3: Well, certainly finding um, the events that we inject into the data um Is beneficial. (laughs) Um, Sometimes people might find an event, but they don't quite explain it the way we expected them to. Mm -hmm. Um, If they can justify that with the visualizations that they created, they often still get the points. Um, Sometimes they find things that we did not intend or we did not put in the data, but -hmm. if they can justify that with their analytics, that, that will definitely give them credit. Um, okay. We look at things like how. Can you get
0: ne- negative scores for
3: something you do?
1: <laughs> False findings.
0: False findings.
3: False findings. It, 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 False well- positives. Yeah. It,
2: it really, it really depends on what is found in the approach. So we and and the awards we give are not just um, related to ground truth. They could often be approach integration issues. Uh, being able to scale even more than 90 million, but maybe to a trillion. I mean, those are the kinds of things we look at. We're pretty broad on evaluating a submission from many, many different aspects.
3: Yes, someone might come up with a really interesting visualization for one type of data problem, but they don't really get any of the other parts of the challenge. If it's a really interesting, really creative way to solve that one tiny part of the problem, we may recognize that. Uh, but in terms of judging, analysis, finding the right answer or finding things in the data and describing the analysis, like George said, is, is just one part of everything that we consider. But we focus on the justification through the analysis and not just finding something. If you find something, but you can't explain how or why you found it using your analytic, it doesn't mean much to us. One of the challenges that we had in 2011 is that people took a more forensics approach to Mm -hmm. looking at the data than an active analysis approach. we try very hard to create active analysis situations because if these tools were being used in the real world, they're not going to be used after the fact. They're going to be used in the moment because they're situation awareness problems. And so we want to um, we we want to encourage people to take that approach whenever they're creating their analytics and not focus too much on post hoc forensics.
0: Okay, I guess, so in order to participate, not necessarily you have to build uh, your own tools, right? So you could actually use existing tools and you will be still judging um, positively entries that, that discover the, the ground truth and explain uh, how they did it and what's, what, what's the process, right? Is that correct? Oh yes, that's true.
3: Uh, last year we had uh, many submit very good submissions of Tableau worksheets. Okay. Um, we've also had people just create very simple um, analytics using R and D3 and, you know, MySQL database. Um, however, you know, those tools are already available to a lot of people. And so the, the limits of those tools have already been explored it's certainly possible to use existing tools to solve the problem in a new and interesting way and Mm -hmm. perhaps even better than somebody who comes up with a custom tool. Mm -hmm. But building your own custom tools allow a lot of flexibility in terms of how you process large amounts of data because not all commercial tools, very few commercial tools actually, and I'm not sure if there are any commercial tools that can handle 91 million records unless you do streaming data, can handle that much data. Um, Or be able to tweak the visualization for the data or for the analysis process or for the scenario or for the user that that you're tuning it for.
0: Sure, sure. Well, this is what I noticed when I was using the VAST challenge for teaching when I was in Konstanz in Germany. I think I've been teaching a visual analytics course for a couple of years, and the old course was organized around the VAST challenge. So basically the the project assigned to the students was uh, participating to the best challenge, right? And one thing that I noticed that I really liked is the fact that the students end up using a lot of different tools in order to solve the problem. So they start with some, typically they start with some data processing tools, they start with one, they, then they understand that there is a limit, so they switch to another one. So I remember, for instance, last year they had a lot of problems with the with the data size, as you mentioned before. So they start start with some kind of SQL stuff. No, I think they start with some kind of text editing tool or something really simple, then they move to SQL, then they move to something else again. And then they started thinking, should I how does this data look like? And then they started using Tableau, somebody has used R. Then at some point they, they discovered there are some limitations in this tool and think, oh, maybe I should come up with my own design. And then they design something themselves. And at the end of the day, at the end of all this process, you've learned so much because you've been through all these phases, you've been trying all these tools, you know exactly how, what you can achieve with these tools and where the limits are. So I personally found it really, really, really enriching and, and as a process. So did you get similar feedback from other professors? Often. Often, yeah. So the only thing is I notice is that uh, now that I'm in the US I can no longer organize the course around the VAST challenge because the dead, the the deadlines are no <laughs> longer aligned. So in Europe they are aligned, and, and and I find it really interesting because the the students love the fact that they can actively participate to the challenge and at the same time doing the co- do the course right. And um, yeah, so it's pity. It's my little yeah. protest against
3: against. <laughs> yeah, that. every year we say we're going to get the data out early this year, early, early, early. But we also yeah. forget that we decided to come up with a larger and even more complex and even more <laughs> realistic data set. Yeah. And no matter how hard we try, we need that extra month or two. Yeah. To, to, no, but to I think even,
0: even if you, but- would be able to put the data sets out earlier, I think it's very nice that the deadlines fall within the schedule of, yes. the, of the course. Yes. And that's not going to happen here. I think that's that's pity, actually.
2: <laughs> <Yeah. But> we <laughs> but might on the change other hand, that in the future. Yeah, we keep trying. But on the other hand, mini-challenge one did start in January.
0: Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I it's could the have data generation
3: that, that is yeah. a challenge. Sure, sure. Yeah, and we, keep we are working out ways that we could possibly change that. Because, I mean, one of the challenges is we're, we're coming up with bigger and crazier data sets. People are going to need more than three or four months to work on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And do you
0: know of anyone that keep keeps working on these data sets after the challenge? Does this happen?
2: yes. Yes, we've, had, we, we've
3: seen we've seen the data sets, and we've seen iterations on submissions show up at conferences the next year, and um, sometimes other publications. Okay, so I was wondering. and in
2: fact, I want to point out that there's a special issue. Um, of course, I'm going to block out where it is. Information uh, yeah, visualization. Yeah, information visualization. There's a special issue where some of the uh, past challenge participants are actually um, uh, giving updates on their research.
0: Oh, fantastic. Is that in the Information Visualization Journal? Yes. yes. Okay. Is it out already? I
2: th- um, I if think not, the,
3: it's coming out very soon. It's
2: yeah. coming
0: out very soon.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, they were, um, I think we had a, um, three or four additional papers. I think the papers came from... Uh, Daniel Kime and Chris North and uh, Catherine Plaisant on an evaluation. And there's a whole bunch of them. I'm just picking out a few, but I think they were um, four, five, three, four, five, basically.
0: Okay. Good. So I guess some of our listeners now, probably some of them are thinking, should I participate? Or yes. maybe it's. easy answer I'm I'm sure many people will be undecided so uh, that's the time to advertise the vast challenge why should someone participate to the vast challenge and why to the vast challenge and not other challenges I mean assuming that the vast challenge is in competition with other challenges why choosing this one
2: I I think that there are I think that this is the world. This is the time for challenges. They're occurring everywhere. They're all very interesting. Uh, They all have. They're now. Many of them are uh, providing prizes and money. The vast challenge, actually, is probably the the only one, in my view, that looks at um, analysis, visualization, and the human as a system uh, to work together. And that's quite different. Um, I think that's a really key factor. And if you start uh, extending that, you start thinking, oh, my goodness, we have to start thinking of human factors, design issues, cognition, and so on. And that's really what the vast challenge offers in a way. So if you want to just do analysis – you can use it. If you want to just do visualization, you can. If you want to combine all of them and have the human drive or steer computation, you can. So it really provides lots of opportunities to do different things. So that's just on the data and problem side. But there's also the community. We have a workshop, for example, a whole day workshop where people can come, hear speakers, exchange, present uh, what they're doing, uh, discuss it with other, hear other ideas on these complex problems. And then finally, you get rewards. Students can get publications, can rub shoulders with the top researchers in this area. So I think it's an extremely enriching experience.
3: Okay. Uh, yeah. Another thing I would like to mention is that every single submission gets reviewed by at least two people. One subject matter expert and one visualization expert. And so if you have an idea that you're, you know, maybe still working out and this is the first time you've run it through a data scenario, this is a really great place to test out your ideas and get really good feedback. Because all of our reviewers are so awesome and they spend so much time giving high quality feedback to many, many submissions that we receive.
2: Right. We're talking about actual analysts or design artists or information visualization experts. And the committee also reads most of them, if not all.
3: Some of us read all of
0: them. (laughs) 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 Okay. So if I want to participate, how does it look like? I just go to the website. Do I have to register or anything?
2: Uh, Yes. If you want to get updates, I think, uh, but otherwise you can just download the datas. Okay. Yeah, and it's at
3: the VA community website. Okay. Uh, it should be on the front page, and we can give you a link for that. We should have the links for that. Okay. Um, you can register for updates, which is always good in case we add um, corrections or updates to the data. Sometimes we clarify instructions. Um, but otherwise, you just download the data and look at the requirements for submission and submit your uh, solution.
0: Can you engage with the other participants before submitting,
2: and with the committee? We recommend that all the time, and there are people who coordinate together or ask questions to the committee. But um, we usually don't get that many questions, actually. Okay, okay, and of the course, if you, you're allowed. looking for a collaborator or
1: so, I mean, is is there like a forum or um, some place where people like maybe you're alone and you think like it would be it would be nice to team up? Um, we did in the
2: past, we got so little response from mm-hmm. that.
3: Um, yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because many people during the workshop said, hey, it would be great to have an online community to coordinate. And I'm pretty sure there is a forum on the VA community uh-huh. website for the challenge, but there's not been a not whole lot of activity. On. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just realized that in the in the MOOCs, you know, in the these online courses that a lot of the actual the interesting stuff happens among the participants. So, but yeah, maybe because it's a competition, it's a bit different than. Uh.
3: And you know, I think a lot of interaction happens at the workshop where exactly, people yeah. meet with each other and they discuss things, and then they exchange email addresses and mm-hmm. they begin uh, collaborating that way. Last year was the first year that VizSec workshop was at this um, week. And that was great because these were all of the subject matter experts who were dabbling in information visualization, meeting all the information visualization experts who were dabbing in the cybersecurity realm. Mm -hmm. And so, them getting together to be able to discuss problems and solutions was really valuable. And that's what we're hoping for this year with the design challenge, where now we're going to introduce. Artists and designers to this community so that they start working together.
0: Okay. And so assuming you get an award, what happens next? So you get
2: invited to the... You get, you get invited, you become world famous, you get everything that comes with the award.
3: So many of the award recipients, we um, invite them to give a talk. Uh-huh. And uh, depending on the schedule and depending on what their um, award was for, you know, maybe it's a 10-minute talk, maybe it's a 30-minute talk, uh, they'll be able to walk through and give a presentation on on their contest submission. And often, many people continue working on their submissions well past the deadline date. So the deadline for the contest this year is the end of the, uh, the second week of July but, you know, VizWeek isn't until October. That's many months that people can continue working on their uh, on their software. And sometimes some of the, the advancements that they've made over the past few months are really, really interesting.
2: And they can show demos. We have uh, places where they can bring a laptop or more and then um, alongside a poster if they want to actually show live demos.
0: Fantastic. So, the the event at this, uh, the, I mean, the vast Challenge event is it it lasts what? Mm-hmm. Half day, a whole day? It's One a full day, day workshop. It's, it's a full, a full day, day workshop. Yeah. Okay. And uh, do you give any kind, any sort of financial support in case it's needed for traveling?
2: We used to in the past. Um, I don't think this year we've planned for that. Um, no, I don't think we've planned for that this year.
0: Okay. So the this is gonna be in Atlanta, right? So I'm just That's trying correct. to give some basic information to people just to And the deadline for submission is when?
2: The second week in July.
0: Second week in July. Okay. So it's almost it's basically one month from now, right?
2: Yes. If somebody yes. wants to
0: participate and, and didn't know anything about it before.
2: That's right.
1: Okay. Moritz, is there anything else you wanna ask? Uh, no, it, it sounds really interesting. I mean I can only comment, you know, I'm an ex-academic, so <laughs> <laughs> I can only comment from this perspective that I always wanted to take part, but now, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like a lot of work you have to invest and then even if you win you have to fly there yourself you know. so that makes it a bit uh, for me it, it, it's difficult to factor in the time but it sounds like something if, if you really dive into it it's it can be very rewarding
3: It's yeah. not uncommon for commercial um, companies to submit last year business forensics participated we've had mm-hmm. um, Tableau and, and some other commercial products participate. Oh, if you
1: offer a visualization tool I think it's a perfect like showcase yeah. if you manage to do something meaningful with it. I think that, yeah.
2: There are lots of uh, companies and business groups that do participate because uh, clearly um, receiving an award in one of the many challenges highlights the strengths mm-hmm. uh, for that particular company. And We've had companies participate many years in a row because they keep improving their tools using these data sets.
0: Okay. But this sounds like a great outcome of the VAST challenge. I mean, being, this is something I, I actually wanted to ask you. So, what's the what's the impact of of the VAST challenge beyond beyond the challenge itself? I mean, how does it help uh, making progress in visual analytics in general?
2: I think that as people look at the tools and what they've solved, they get ideas in their evolution of their tools. Uh, discussing with others, how did you handle that? What did you do about the large data? Oh, you presented it this way. Oh, I see, you used this design idea. And so what you're doing is having a mechanism by which people can exchange extremely creative solutions and what works, what doesn't, what scales, what, uh, how well does your system integrate this and so on. Uh, that's a rarity. That's very difficult today to read in a paper, uh, but it's terrific if you're there and you actually see that happen.
3: And I think that happens because the vast challenge has real problems. And it's not just, you know, problem one, problem two, problem three, give us answers. It's a scenario with people that could happen out in the real world. And the data is very real. It's much easier to transfer a realistic scenario to other applications than, you know, a highly academic discussion.
1: Sure. Yeah, and you never have that direct comparison because you might read one paper on one technique for one problem, but then another paper on another technique for another problem, but you rarely see the same tool uh, or different tools used for the same Mm-hmm. Problem. Right? That's right. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's that's very interesting and very very instructive. And I find that with all the contests. I mean, actually, we started out the data stories with sort of a rant on the contest, not the best. <laughs> it's
0: <data> true, story, <laughs> but a few of the it's
1: others. True. <laughs> but one of the benefits really is that you have all these different solutions to the same issue, probably the same problems, and that that can be very instructive.
3: We're glad we've changed your mind. <laughs>
1: no, we actually, you can go back and listen. We actually, we, we excluded the vast change, I think, from our end. <laughs> Good.
0: I have forgotten about As that, you
2: yes. can see, it is an extremely large amount of work to generate these data sets. Yes. Yeah, this I, is not a trivial
3: volunteer project. We yeah. we spend a lot of, of time and effort to, to really deliver quality data sets and a quality challenge because we really believe that it's making an impact on the research community it's really helping students start off their careers and it's showing the you know the real life applicability of visual analytics research that can be applied to the commercial industry
2: yep.
0: so, so did you ever publish anything on the on the generation pro- process itself
2: Yes, there. Uh, PNNL published a paper initially, I think, uh, and several others. So there are techniques on there. Uh, threat generation, stream generation. Um, yeah, data
3: generation changes from year to year as we change the focus of the the data challenge, but also the scale of the data challenge. So I would maybe keep an eye out for. Um, newer publications that deal with this cyber cybersecurity data and all of the challenges is mm-hmm. that we dealt yeah. with.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. There's also a nice, uh, another art parallel because there's this like mini genre is called data fiction. Mm-hmm. And there's, for instance, uh, one guy, Kim Asendorf, was like a media artist and he, he told like... <laughs> a fictional story about like what happened in a biology lab and you know and uh, outbreak of a virus and so on but he told it only uh, through charts and the more you study these charts and diagrams you understand what happens, but it's it is sort of like a movie plot that mm-hmm. So I, yes. I think it's it's it could be a whole genre like telling telling like fictional stories through data. Instead of <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's a very interesting, and it's I mean you are doing it to a degree that probably nobody else does. So uh,
3: yeah, it's storytelling kind of is a really interesting way to shift the perspective. So mm-hmm. that, uh, I mean, just thinking about the problem a little bit differently will make you go down paths that you never would have considered if you were stuck to a database. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, we, it's all, it inverts the whole process. Like usually you're looking for the story out there and then you have to like come up with that story. Now
3: it's telling discover. the story, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's that's why we've chosen situation awareness for that for that challenge because you don't, you don't know what the story is yet with situation awareness. Your right. your job yeah. is to tell the story in real time. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure.
0: So in a way you are evaluating the storytelling capabilities as well, right? In the yes. entries. Yeah. That too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Their analysis oh, process and how everything <laughs> oh, fits together. That's right. <laughs> did you hire any screenwriter or s- people like that? Uh,
3: we Not we yet. did put out Not a uh, volunteer for amateur science fiction writers a few times. <laughs> Just <It would laughs> within so our friends great. and family you have
2: to circle. Actually get some Hollywood people like. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we're probably all aspiring movie writers. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there might be a second career. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> amazing, amazing. So the vast challenge is, is always gonna be in the context of the Viz conference, right? So you never thought about making it uh, a separate kind of event?
2: Uh, I'm not sure what I know what you mean.
3: So, so the, the vast, vast cha- challenge is uh, visual analytics for science and technology at Viz. There is also um, a uh, track for VAST specifically, mm-hmm. and so the challenge is attached to that, well, mm-hmm. unofficially, it's 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 linked to the VAST track.
2: Yeah, it's part of the symposium, the VAST symposium, but it's separate also. We run it completely separately. It both draws uh, a lot of participants to come because quite a number participate in the VAST challenge and therefore attend the VAST symposium. Um, so I, it's a part of it. It's just historically uh, the challenge has grown as its separate entity because of the large size.
0: Okay, sure. But it's always co-located with the Viz Conference. Abs- it has yes. always
2: been co-located. And so next year we'll be in France. Oh, that's fantastic. Sure. <laughs> in Paris, right? It's yes, in Paris. So
0: one, one more motivation to participate.
2: That's right. And maybe we'll get uh, grant money to provide free trips for students. That would be awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. sure.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know. I think we can stop here unless there is, is there anything else you want to add about the best challenge?
2: Um, no, I think that we've discussed the impact and um, all of the activities that um, are involved, so I think yeah. I want to thank you. It's for all the questions, and your- you
3: asked you asked all the right questions. <laughs> <laughs> we had all the right answers.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, I am myself a, a big a big fan of the challenge. So I'm really glad that we we managed to invite you and know all the details about that. It's really it's really interesting what you guys are doing, and as 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 we said, it's not easy at all. It doesn't look easy, <laughs> um, Moritz. Is there anything else you want to add?
1: Uh, no, I'm good. Super interesting. I, I think, yeah, like learning what's what's going on behind the scenes, behind these innocent-looking data sets, I think that, that was really interesting. <laughs> 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 I will see them with different eyes now, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. hope that some of our listeners will pick it up, even if there is not a, a lot of time until the oh, deadline. I think it's, it's fine. It, it's, it's one year. month, yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean realistically you wouldn't start earlier anyways right so yeah <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> you might as well just start now
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. great well thank you so much more enrico thank you thank yes, you thank you for having us yeah thanks for joining us it's been fantastic bye Bye-bye. bye 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 thank you bye bye mm-hmm.